We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. We're talking week one observations and overreactions, wide receiver usage, and much more on this edition of Road of His Live. Now let's kick it off. Hello everyone, welcome back to another edition of Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by SquadQL. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, the co-owner of Rotoviz Radio, Mr. Sean Siegel, who you can follow on Twitter at FF underscore Contrarian. Obviously week one is in the books, it was a lot of fun, a lot of different reactions I knew going into it, I mentioned this on a couple of shows, there was going to be a lot that we learned as we uh, kind of exited week one and went into week two. We're going to talk today on the show lots of different stuff, including our observations and overreactions, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, I'm really looking forward to it. Sean, how are you doing today, my man? Excellent. I, it's always interesting because I think the two sort of dangers here are that you tend to feel the strongest about uh, what you saw that agrees most with your off-season uh, picks or your off-season thesis on certain players. And when you feel strongly or you have a strong thesis about a certain guy and then that thesis seems to play itself out in week one, then you have this very strong reaction of, I was right, see, and, and this is how it's going to work. Whereas, you know, certainly just like in any of the other situations, that can just, you know, it's just one game. And so you can really fall into the trap there of feeling like that first week reinforced uh, what you thought to the point now that you're way overboard on that particular idea conversely the, the exact opposite thing happens as well where we tend to be the most concerned or the most disappointed or the most freaked out by things that are the very opposite end of the spectrum from what we thought were going to happen so we'll talk a little bit about some of those things as we get into the show and and the main thing was just that this was a fun first week after a 2017 season that in a lot of ways was uh, just a grind then you, you felt like you're in the doldrums the whole time you had all of these injured quarterbacks all these offenses that couldn't perform for the guys to come out in week one and have some of these shootouts, these 40-point games, uh, to see the receivers in action, it, it was a fun week. Yeah, it definitely was. And you mentioned, you know, quarterback injuries for, for 2016 or 2017. Uh, as a Packers fan, uh, I thought it was a big injury that was going to derail the season completely in that first half of the Packers game. So uh, that was a very exciting one for me personally. But there's just so much going on we didn't expect to happen. And I did talk about it last week, and I talked about it with Dave Cabin on the Road of His Live uh, last week too about like what do we 
think we know that we don't know after week one and what changes the most and you know one of the things that really probably changed the most in my opinion was that uh, performance uh, down in uh, New Orleans by Mr. Fitzmagic and I'm sure we'll touch on that in a couple of minutes as well so there's just a lot of things to look into and we did the bold predictions last week obviously my Amari Cooper prediction is looking in dire straits after one week but there's always those things that you know change so it's a a small sample size one week there's going to be another 16 of these to go and we'll see how it all shakes out you know there's a couple of defenses that looked a lot different and a couple of offenses that looked a lot better than we expected you know we thought the Ravens might improve but obviously they really lit things up but defensively some of the teams that we thought were going to be good also had bad weeks and even some teams had great first halves and bad second halves the Bears defense might be included in that with uh, Khalil Mack obviously dominating but uh, lots of lots of interesting stuff on the defensive side of the ball too because when we're trying to decide on uh, the offensive players that we want to match up based on our leverage against defenses is always an interesting thing and of course then when you're streaming defenses as well you need to know what the, what's going on there yeah and i think one of the most fun things about uh getting into you know week two we have a lot of our in-season apps are now live on the site jim clute and anthony shook have done a great job putting those together including the streaming d app and jeff Matson has your article on that for week two among the teams that might be free in your league and have uh, good to great matchups this week include the dolphins falcons and jets so those are defenses you're probably not necessarily considering playing most of the time but if you're streaming they might be good picks this week get on there check out the app if you're trying to stream some other positions the streaming app now includes other positions and uh, gianna also has a cool article up on qb matchup streaming two qb league picks that kind of thing make sure to check that out as well just before we get into the topics i want to let everyone know that you can support the road of his radio network by signing up to our patreon page that also gives you access to our road of his live show our weekly sunday morning video show answering all your fantasy questions getting ready for that week's action we did uh, the week one show this past week myself and dave cabin it was a lot of fun more and more people tuning in each and every week and uh, you know it's, it's great to get interaction with the listeners it's a little bit of a different format to what we do with the podcast because obviously we're recording these on our own and then putting them out for you to listen to but you can get involved ask the questions and uh, let us know your thoughts ahead of the week's action patreon ships start from just six dollars a month and provide exclusive access as i mentioned to road of his live four shows a month and then of course everything on the podcast network for just that six dollars so head on over to the patreon page uh, sign up today and become part of the exclusive community here at road of his radio get access to the premium content and help us continue to produce high quality industry leading programming Another benefit of listening to the podcast, of course, is that you get the exclusive discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass. That can be found at the podcast homepage, which is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The season is obviously here. It's not too late, though, to get that access, get all the access to the tools, use all that, gain an advantage as the rest of the season progresses. Maybe week one went good for you. Obviously, the help then will make the rest of the season go even better. But if week one went bad, maybe the information that you can find up there on rotoviz.com will also help kickstart the season and have a very, very successful one. Once again, that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. So the first article we're going to look at this week is up and it's one that Sean has done himself and it's uh, looking at a lot of the kind of overreactions, observations on what we think is moving forward uh, after week one into week two, what we think is going to stay the course, what we think is going to change very quickly. And uh, you've obviously called it the Patrick Mahomes Chronicle. So uh, Sean, I'll let you have the floor first. What uh, was the one? I'll let you pick one then. Maybe I'll jump into one. Uh, what really stood out for you out of your list of 15? If there was one that you wanted to share, which one would it be? Well, I always like to just point out that I'm not, I don't even need to specify something as an overreaction. All of my reactions tend to be in that direction. (laughs) But uh, this offseason, you know, we've talked about it on the show before, talked about how with where the Chiefs skill players were going in drafts that it was going to be almost impossible for them to live up to their picks and for Patrick Mahomes not to have a good season so sort of my fun week one uh, finale here is that Patrick Mahomes is going to be the overall QB1 and you know I've been hitting at this most of the offseason it's always been ludicrous it's only slightly less ludicrous now but uh, he he's the quarterback that you want and one of the things that we talked about there is that you know if if kelsey and watkins live up to their adps then this offense is going to just go through the roof 
But we saw in week one that they don't even need to. Uh, Tyreek Hill all by himself uh, can basically carry this offense. And Patrick Mahomes to huge numbers. Obviously, they mixed in uh, a couple of touchdowns to DeAnthony Thomas, to Anthony Sherman, guys who are not going to score most of the time. Uh, But Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, they tore up the Chargers on the road. And this is going to be a fun team to follow this season. Yeah, and obviously Joey Bosa was out, but I was expecting this Chargers defense to start the season strong. I had them kind of pinned as a probably top five defense over the season. Sometimes it does take time to work out the kinks, and obviously if you're missing somebody like Joey Bosa, it can hurt. But you know, if you look at Tyreek Hill, and I was sent on the show, uh, my point was more that I was staying away from all the Chiefs rather than that I didn't like them. I thought they couldn't all hit the ADP. We've seen, obviously, Kelsey had one catch and Sammy Watkins didn't do a lot. But Tyreek Hill, I don't know if I've ever seen a player with uh, the speed that Tyreek Hill has and both his returns and on that kind of short uh, slant that he took all the way to the house it's just uh, the, the speed is incredible uh, just just it is just uh, amazing to watch just how quick he is and it fits in this offense perfectly i think sometimes people talk about well you know just being fast isn't enough but there are gradations of fast and there are just very very few people that come anywhere close to tyree kill when you're talking about a 4-2-2 you're talking about a guy who is as much faster as you know say someone like Deshaun Jackson, as Deshaun Jackson is from your other fast players. So you're talking about speed that that is truly incredible. At the same time, I mean, this offense is going to do a lot of other things. Ben Battle has a great article up this week, the buy low report that he does. Uh, you'll want to check that out. He talks about how uh, if, if anybody's selling Travis Kelsey, and, and probably they're not, but if anyone's selling, you definitely want to take advantage this week. Uh, ben shows how his target share in the offense was actually the exact same that it was uh, in 2017. He only caught one of his six targets, so he ended up with the lowest number in terms of fantasy points above expectation of any tight end in the league. He scored eight and a half fewer points than were expected based on his target share. So the volume is is actually there in the offense for Kelsey, unless you think Kelsey has suddenly become a bad football player. Uh, this is a guy you you certainly are still wanting. And for Patrick Mahomes fans, uh, you know, there there's more built-in points in the offense there. You know, we also saw Sammy Watkins make a couple of pretty good catches and, and drop one that, that would have been a tough play. If, in fact, it's at all possible for defenses to key on Tyreek Hill. And again, that speed just makes it so difficult. But you're going to have some volume forced in these other guys' directions. You know, it's not always going to go to some of these really peripheral players like it did last week. So it might be a good time to buy Sammy Watkins as well. Yeah, and when you look at just a point on the Chiefs, uh, often from a betting perspective, like Andy Reid after a buy is, is pretty much one of the best records in the NFL in terms of having time a week to prepare and then to get a result. And I suppose you could call this basically coming off a buy is extra time to prepare. But his uh, record over those kind of games is just absolutely incredible. Uh, anytime he has time to put in that and implement the game plan, uh, he pretty much always delivers. I, I always think he's one of the more underrated coaches in the NFL. His problem has been then when he gets to, you know, if he does make the playoffs, that he has had a couple of a bad game call decisions and fourth quarters off those games but in terms of uh, game planning getting Tyreek Hill involved uh, you know over the time uh, there's no doubt that they're going to get Kelsey uh, heavily involved in this offense uh, like you mentioned with the target share again this week so this team is looking very very good defensively I think uh, they're not all that great so I think they're going to see a lot of games like this where there could be shootouts uh, and obviously that makes it uh, interesting for fantasy uh, football and for fantasy points. So it's going to be interesting. One of the things, Sean, that really stood out to me on this list, uh, watching the games, Justin, you know, you had talked him up uh, a couple of weeks ago, and that was Philip Lindsay and what he could do, um, you know, and and the offense. We were kind of really looking at Royce Freeman, but what Philip uh, Lindsay did this past week was very, very impressive. Um, I, I was surprised at how much he was involved. Um, you know, they pretty much... Uh, they posted identical lines in fact it was 15 for 71 between both of them uh, and Lindsay then the preferred option in the passing game and uh, I, I thought he overall shone very very well based on what we expected him to do I, I was thinking he would have a role I didn't quite think it was going to be this big a role do you expect it to be as close going forward do you think this is the norm uh, for heading the rest of the season or do you think this was just in the game plan for week one I think a lot of it depended on this particular game but but we're very high on Lindsay. And this was a perfect illustration too of a couple of different things. One, that those receiving touches are so much more valuable when you look at expected points and how the touches break down. Uh, 
th- those receiving touches transfer into fantasy points so much better than carries do. And so that both provides a boost to him. And as I pointed out in the article, poses a real danger to Royce Freeman's rookie breakout. And, and Royce Freeman is going to be a heck of a player in his own right. The other thing, though, I think is that when you have a player who is very I don't want to say dominate yet. I mean, it, it, it's a rookie with one game, but a, a, a player who functions very well in the passing game, who can also carry the ball, that makes it much more difficult for defenses because it makes your tendencies less clear. And I think what happened in this game is that the Broncos wanted to be able to show that run pass threat. They didn't want the defense to be able to key on Royce Freeman on as a you know these are going to be mostly running plays they didn't want to be able to key on Devonte booker saying these are going to be mostly passing plays and the strange thing and the exciting thing certainly if you own Lindsay, is that you have this undrafted free agent who had phenomenal production at colorado is a good athlete uh, but wasn't drafted for whatever reason um, and he comes in and he actually represents that for the broncos he represents the guy who when he's in the game the defense doesn't know what you're going to do that only is the case if you actually do give him some carries and so the fact that they did get him so many carries in this game that's, that's a strong sign for you know what he might be able to do and i think for the just the overall functionality of this offense offenses that have this element were successful in week one and a lot of the offenses who didn't have that element really struggled when you're telegraphing your plays at the nfl level it's a lot harder to get things done yeah and i also thought as well another part of it was case keenum uh, i thought he really brought the offense like compared to what we seen last year when it was pretty much vanilla at all times uh, i was impressed with what he was able to do in terms of having emmanuel sanders and demarius thomas involved uh, i thought overall looking through the the performance from the broncos uh, i thought it was a lot more explosive than it was last year maybe that's down to the seahawks defense maybe that are going to struggle this year but i was impressed to see both those guys heavily involved you'd expect them to be heavily involved but the production was there i thought emmanuel sanders looked extremely good uh, uh, you know compared to what we've seen over the last couple of seasons where he's been a little bit hobbled uh, due to injuries and the other one I guess we'll head on is Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, you know I mentioned at the start of the show the surprise down there uh, in New Orleans but you know they just really lift things up in a major way uh, and really from the start it really never looked like the Saints were going to get it back on track it just looked like they were kind of caught with a quick shot at the start and then they were up against the ropes for the rest of the game but it obviously led to a, a fantasy bonanza and anyone that had Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas obviously had uh, huge performances there as well it was just a, a very fascinating week one uh, the other part that really stood out was you know we've we always be looking at the zero RB candidates here between myself and yourself Sean uh, and if you look at uh, Austin Eckler he had a very nice performance for the Chargers and then the other side of it was Matt Breida who really didn't do much I thought I did mention last week I thought both 49ers uh, running backs were going to struggle this week they're going up against the vikings so that obviously is one of the toughest matchups in the league so we'll see how it goes this week but uh from what i was expecting out of Britta, uh, it just didn't really have uh, that much impact this week so we'll see how it shakes out between the two of them moving forward but we always like to talk about the things that we predict and go as well sean but i guess uh maybe i mentioned at the start with my amari cooper pick was there anything that really stood out for you that went wrong in uh, week one for me personally it was uh, at the tight end position with uh, greg olson that re-injuring that foot and uh then the other one is delaney walker who i've been a, a big proponent of for many years uh having that season ending injury so it really uh it really backfired for me in my dynasty leagues and, and around the tight end position but uh outside of that sean was there anything that really you thought that you know didn't go the way you would like the main thing that stood out, and and this was, again, a game that was very strange and frustrating, exciting, weird, but you had this Steelers-Browns game where the Steelers, you get the big game from Antonio Brown, you get the big game from Juju Smith-Schuster, you get the big game in a very exciting way uh, from James Conner, one of the easiest guys to root for in the NFL. You also have the six turnovers, which in many ways you would think would completely gift the game to the Browns and yet the Browns are not able to take advantage. Uh, one of the things I mentioned is it, only the Browns, right, would break their losing streak in a game they still did not win. And uh, this was obviously an odd one. Uh, not as close as the score of a tie indicates. Uh, and yet, anytime both teams miss field goals in the 40-yard range in overtime, you know, they're going to feel like they let victory slip through their fingers. But specifically within the game, it was very frustrating because Tyrod Taylor – was both the guy who led the Bills last year to the playoffs. And, you know, you look at what happened in week one, and you can certainly make the claim that that Bills team is not that talented. Uh, But then also was the quarterback who got himself benched for Nathan Peterman. 
And, you know, he's, he's 15 for 40 and it's a bad weather day, but he ran eight times. He was sacked seven times. Um, some of those runs were appropriate, but, but all told that's 15 potential chances to dump the ball off and get him in the hands of your playmakers at running back, either Carlos Hyde or preferably Duke Johnson. Uh, this was not a great development for Duke Johnson, right? We've written in the past about the threat that running quarterbacks pose to pass catching, um, to pass catching running backs. And this was certainly an example where, you know, if you, if you have Duke Johnson in your lineup, uh, like I do for my, my best main event team, you know, we always want to bring it back to our own teams and and how that fits. Uh, If you've got one of these pass catching running backs in there and you see the, the quarterback just running around in a little bit of a frenzy there and the guy is right there, you know, you, you desperately want him to dump that ball off. And, and Taylor wasn't able to do that. He's not a great passing quarterback, certainly avoiding the turnovers, the rushing value, you know, that, that balances some of that. But certainly I think if you're a Browns fan uh, or if you're a Duke Johnson owner, you're, you're rooting for Baker Mayfield sooner rather than later. Yeah. And I think we kind of touched on that a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about uh, Jarvis Landry and, you know, his potential with the quarterback situation. I do think from a fantasy perspective that it it will be more suited to the players that are on this roster when Baker Mayfield does uh, eventually take the reins. And uh, I I was really rooting hard for the Browns at the end of that game. Just, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fan in any way of Hugh Jackson, but I just think that that for the franchise and for their fan base, they've just been through such a, a torrid time over the last kind of 18 months maybe even if you want to stretch it out maybe the last 10 years but uh, i was really rooting for them and it didn't happen so lots of uh, different bits and pieces that happened in week one but uh, thoroughly fascinating nonetheless since the start of the season the shows have been brought to you by squad ql and of course i've been telling you about how they give you an unfair advantage to help dominate your fantasy football leagues if you used it in week one hopefully it brought you the ultimate success of victory but maybe you didn't maybe you want to have a little bit more success in week two the squad ql app can help you do that all you have to do is download the app from the app store available on both apple and android the app then recommends the best starting lineup for you each week uh, based on your starters the player pool available free agents and so on it also takes in all the league data including the scoring settings the roster construction pulls that all together to give you that successful lineup using whatever league site you're using from yahoo to espn and cbs league so helps you get that extra little bit of an advantage SquadQL truly is your go-to app for fantasy football advice this season. Head to SquadQL.com or download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy football manager from the App Store. It is also brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer, trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for both Apple and Android. We love to talk RBs and particularly, usually not the RBs at the top of everyone's list. We like to talk guys a little bit further down, but we'll be having a quick look through uh, a couple of different scenarios uh, on the running back position. It's an article up on the site, and I think it's really, really well done. It's one by Hassan Rahim, uh, a co-host of the Road of His Report as well, and he's going through the ultimate zero RB watch list. It was the NFC for week one he is up, and uh, that posted on wednesday so there's a lot of great information diving into all the different teams uh sean i'll just let you go first in case there's a team that you really want to spotlight uh, out of the list or uh, you, you can have the floor yeah so we can start here looking at the chicago bears and we look at snaps we look at touches we look at expected points and how that full picture kind of gives us insight into what might happen going forward who we want to start who we want to try and get in trades that kind of thing Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen is an interesting one because there was a lot of debate and just a lot of interest in terms of how these running backs would be used in the passing game. Obviously, Howard dominated the rushing touches 15 to 5, uh, but he also had the slight edge in targets, which certainly his owners were hoping for, uh, Cohen owners not so much. But the 5-4 edge uh, becomes even a little bit larger than when you look at how that translates into expected points. Uh, 8.3 to 5.2 for Howard there, which all told gave Howard 16 expected points. Cohen only 7.7. If you're a Cohen fan, that is not a big enough workload to justify him as a clear-cut weekly starter, which I know a lot of people were hoping would be the case this season. Yeah, and I think uh, watching this game, you know, the Bears and the Packers, I was very impressed with what they did in terms of uh, the very start of the game. And I actually remember watching the game live and thinking, 
this is very impressive based on you know most teams have an opening script of maybe 10 to 15 plays that they've scripted when they go in and i thought the the bears were really efficient in those plays at the very start of the game once that kind of finished up you know maybe 20 plays into the game they really did start to struggle to move the ball on offense i was impressed with how they were using uh Tariq cohen at the start of the game they had him kind of uh, involved in more rushing attempts than maybe we were expecting but then that that really slowed down in the you know from the second quarter onward so i was surprised overall at the usage i thought then you know they kind of went very conservatively and they were running jordan howard because even the runs that he was getting weren't all that effective it was just like pretty much running into the line he had a run where he ran down the sideline stepped out of bounds which could have been a little bit bigger for him but overall um you know Terry Cohen is one of those players I think he'll be a flex most weeks but it's very hard to you know at any point start with him with any confidence in either of the the two starting running back spots the other ones were kind of interesting looking through them I was I thought I was very impressed by how Washington played overall obviously the, the Cardinals put up an abysmal display Sam Bradford really struggled uh david johnson you know didn't really get as much as he would like same with larry fitzgerald so when you're looking at the running backs i was highly impressed with adrian peterson obviously he's come in he's got the workload but uh, he really did have a, a fine performance overall uh, chris thompson as well somebody who we've talked about at length on the show coming back off the injury he had talked about possibly not being 100 percent until he got to november so i don't know if he was trying to kind of play us all as fools but he looked really really good uh, over the last week and they kind of split the snap share between them rob kelly did get three rush attempts but between the other two in terms of snaps adrian peterson at 53 percent, chris thompson at 42 but that was kind of split based on uh you know run game versus pass game thompson only had five rushes peterson at 26 peterson did get involved as well in the in the passing game which i uh, wasn't fully expecting and uh, i thought it was uh, a pretty interesting one uh, was there any other one sean uh, in the nfc that stood out to you yeah well i think the the workload there for washington is, is interesting obviously the receiving attempts i think for peterson are, are very fluky but when you look at thompson he did get double digit expected points in the passing game which is more obviously what cohen owners were hoping for that will create a player who is a viable start and then obviously in this game he outperformed that uh, with eight points above expectation so when you add those together he gets 18 points plus his running points so a, a big week for him and i think we can expect some of that to continue with alex smith running the offense it's going to be a very functional offense an offense that moves the chains and heavily employs the running backs in what they do there the next one for me might be the panthers where we were wondering how much of a role cj anderson would play and so it's interesting that anderson had seven attempts to mccaffrey's 10 but when you go beyond that it's it's much more favorable looking for mccaffrey he played 85 percent of the snaps to only 18 percent for anderson and a lot of that uh, dealt with the fact that they had the game in control i think and didn't need to use mccaffrey that much on the other hand that's still only translated into five expected points uh, purely from rushes and you know i've been hyping mccaffrey all summer he was one of my main targets and the, the five expected points there is still on the low side for what we're hoping from for him even though he had nine targets his total expected points so we're looking at the total points expected for him based on his touches was just 16.6 which i mean that's a running back one right but it's not necessarily the superstar level it's not necessarily going to keep you competitive with the alvin Kamara or todd Gurley owners so hopefully we'll see them involved in a little bit more up-tempo games more shootouts uh get him a little bit higher scoring in terms of expectation going forward yeah it was a surprise because i thought they would try and use cj anderson uh, a little bit more than they did maybe they're just going to see how it goes at the start of the season but obviously the snap share was massively uh, in favor of mccaffrey but i, I thought that uh, i think as the season goes on we may see more of cj anderson obviously like he did have a thousand yards last season so i think they'll give him some opportunity i'm going to run through a couple of the other ones here obviously the tampa bay buccaneers uh, pitt and barber had a 73 percent share of the, the running back and then it was just quiz rogers behind him at 23 the surprise there was that ronald jones was a surprise and active uh you know before the game obviously it just shows how much it's really plummeted from how he, when he was picked in the second round earlier this offseason so that one there uh, we've seen how bad it was in the preseason but it obviously uh, you know going from that their point of his uh, draft pedigree all the way to being an, an active uh, just as a healthy scratch on week one was a big downfall for him uh, looking through some other ones obviously you expect the guys like Todd Gurley and Alvin Kamara to have uh, pretty much all the work same with Ezekiel Elliott 
But I have to say, uh, Kamara just looked like he was uh, balling out uh, this past week. Looked really, really at ease, really comfortable. Um, I was very, very impressed, obviously, in that game. Uh, Rashad Penny had 44% of the snaps and Chris Carson had 44% of the snaps. So we're still trying to figure out who were splitting both seven rush attempts. So it's uh, it's really uh, split across the board for the two guys there. But uh, the efficiency uh, wasn't uh, that great from either guy. So we'll see how it goes going forward. We might get your opinion on that one in a second, Sean. But the one we mentioned earlier a little bit was uh, Alfred Morris and Matt Breda. Uh, very, very similar in terms of their snap share, 52 to 45 in favour of Morris. Uh, the one here that really stood out is then the snap share for uh, Kyle Juszczyk. So we have seen him in the past catch balls. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he can keep getting involved uh, in, in that in terms of him being a fullback. Obviously, he's going to be in on some plays blocking for the other two guys. But uh, I was hoping to see uh, Breda have a, a much stronger show. And I, I guess I'll let you have uh, a quick one out of either uh, the 49ers or the Seahawks. Were you uh, interested in how either of those really developed? Was there anything that stood out for you from the two of those? Well, I'm a, I'm a big Matt Breida owner, and so that game is relevant for me. And I think that with how early Alfred Morris was going in drafts toward the end of the season, with how much people are having to bid for him uh, this first week in drafts that took place earlier. Uh, and so even after that first poor performance, you're having to try and decide how much you would put in to get him. This is certainly an interesting game. And it is one, I think, where your previous bias has come into play a lot, because for me, this is a perfect illustration of if you're playing an offense where the opposing defense knows what your tendencies are, it just makes it a lot harder. Alfred Morris is a good running back. What he's done with Kyle Shanahan in the past is impressive. He fits what they want to do in the running game, but certainly when you are going up against an elite defense like the Minnesota Vikings, you lose some of your offensive linemen early, you lose your key wide receiver, then you're limited and you can't be more limited by having the defense know exactly what you're going to do or what your tendencies are in any given play Brita is faster he has more flexibility he's got that receiving ability Alfred Morris again a zero in terms of targets in terms of receiving expected points but Brita only with two that is a little bit of a red flag for the 49ers to accomplish what they want to accomplish and for this offense to work they have to get him more involved so I'm hoping that he is involved more going forward but again you know there's a lot of self-interest in that as well so let's get into uh, wide receivers from running backs now. We're going to look at wide receiver usage for as we head into week two, what happened in week one, and it's from Neil Dutton up on the site. So uh, there was a lot of wide receivers that had monster, monster days this past week. Obviously, Julio had a big, big game. Michael Thomas uh, had a monster game as well. So like a lot of the big dogs uh, stepped up this week and had big games. You know, uh, Was there any of them that stepped up that I, I don't think any of them really surprised like when you see those target lines and what happened obviously Julio had 19 targets Michael Thomas was the one obviously with 16 receptions that uh, had had a really really impressive day but when you're looking through them was there any on that list that uh, surprised you that they were uh, as efficient with their work or that they were as inefficient with the work anyone really stood out in that list from last week well uh, the first thing I think is that you know, people always ask, are the top wide receivers going to score again? And I always say yes, but with these particular caveats. And certainly after one week, you know, we're in the overreaction time frame. Uh, but at least for one week, the receivers did step up and we can see what they can do. And we see what offenses are, are maybe trying to do when they're at 100%, when they have all of their players, when their quarterback is still healthy before these guys get nicked up. And certainly you see these massive games from Julio Jones, Michael Thomas. Uh, it, it is exactly what we expect from that type of player. And, and one of the things interesting here is that Julio actually had the highest number of expected points at you know, over 32. He underperformed that. Um, conversely, Michael Thomas slightly lower at 29, but he blew by that, adding another 11 points onto his score. So you can look at the volume, you can look at the efficiency uh, within what those receivers have done in their offenses. Maybe that's not a huge surprise. Uh, however, if there hadn't been a, a horrible replay on one of Jones's long catches, then he he would not have underperformed by so much. Uh, certainly got robbed on that one there. Uh, again, some odd replay reviews this week, but yeah, I, you look at those wide receivers, and it was it was very exciting. I think I might uh, save that last clip, Sean, where you said some odd replay reviews this week, and we can just uh, 
add that into each show moving forward because that seems to be something that just happens uh, every single week uh, in the NFL. But uh, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully not too many of them moving forward. But a, a few players here that stood out for me. You know, I really like Corey Davis as a player, but whether it's down to quarterback production, uh, whether it's down to him uh, and how he's performing, uh, he had 13 targets this week, just uh, converted six of them. Another one there we kind of touched already on uh, Jarvis Landry, but he had 15 targets and just uh, seven of them. So again, that's the quality of targets that's coming his way. Is something to look into a bad weather game and so on. Golden Tate, 15 targets, just converted to seven. So it's always a bit of a concern when people are getting a lot of targets but not converting them. T.Y. Hilton with less than 50%. He had five catches on 11 targets. Uh, so with that, is there any of those you're concerned about um, out of those kind of people that I mentioned in terms of converting those target shares? I don't think so. Jarvis Landry, especially. And, and again, this is the same thing where I, I mentioned that it depends a lot on what your preconceived notions were. But Landry is a guy who is perpetually underrated. And not only in this game did he score despite the low catch rate, but there were some other things that were very exciting. Uh, ben in his buy low article, again, points out that his air yards per game last year, 59 right? So that's not a lot of volume with the ball actually traveling in the air. He's one of these amazing after catch runners and, and a high volume guy in terms of total targets. But this week, just in, in regulation, you have 178 and he almost matched his entire 2016, 2017 season total of targets of 30 yards or more. And so even though there are ways in which Tyrod Taylor is not the perfect quarterback for him, I think this offense is going to be great because my thesis the whole time, and again, this is a little bit of a thing that is interesting and fun because it's difficult to look at the NFL players and pull them out of their situation because those 11 players on the field, they interact in ways that, that are difficult to parse. However, when you look at Landry, you look at his volume, you look at the way he gets open, you look at the way he runs after the catch, you can even go back to looking at how explosive he was as a collegiate player. And for me, this suggested someone who, once he got out of Miami, was going to explode even further. And I think that week one was indication of that. Uh, if there are people in your league who are willing to give up on Jarvis Landry at this point, or not give up on, but just you know make a fair trade for you, I think you should go after him. Certainly, it was interesting to see the dynamic in Detroit as well. You mentioned Golden Tate. He had 26 expected points, underperformed that by five. But Kenny Galladay was also in the top 10 with 20 expected points. And even though he mildly underperformed that, uh, you know that's, that's a great sign for his owners. He's one of the people we talked up a little bit as a, a breakout candidate, certainly came in with a good profile and then had a solid year last year and my take as a lions fan someone who watches all of the lions games you know you look at what golden tate did before he came to the lions you look at what marvin jones did before he came to the lions i think those guys are mostly a product of matthew stafford now there's no such thing in the nfl as a wide receiver who's purely the product of the quarterback if you're going to make catches gain yards certainly be thousand yard receivers at the nfl level like Tate, like Jones, you know, you don't do that just because you get good quarterback play. I mean, you're a very good player, but Galladay, if he is as good as he looks, then he's going to factor in there because Tate and Jones are probably not quite at the level of most players who are 1000 yard receivers. Yeah, no, I can, I, I agree with all of that. In fact, uh, you know, I think I, I agree with you in Jarvis Landry and then Galladay was very impressed to see his usage. And if you look at the game, obviously they lost to the, the Jets and it was a pretty per overall performance by Stafford but for both of those wide receivers to be so heavily involved and to get those targets uh, was something that really stood out to me and I was very encouraged to see Galladay get that workload and week one finishing as the wide receiver uh, 17 on the week. One of the other things that stood out to me was the Titans and obviously it was a long game there was a lot of stuff happened and it was an unusual one with the two weather delays but uh, just a poor performance overall by the Titans. Uh, in it, though, Corey Davis, I mentioned already, had quite a large workload um, you know, in terms of targets, but it didn't turn into production. Uh, the other part that stood out to me was somebody we talked about earlier this offseason was Taiwan Taylor. Obviously, he had uh, zero catches in the game, played a uh, very, very limited amount of snaps, um, and Tajay Sharp played uh, a lot, lot more than him in terms of his uh, appearances on the field. The other one is obviously Delaney Walker out for the season. Um, what is your thoughts on this uh, offense you know, as we move forward? Do you think there's a possibility we see a lot more for somebody like uh, somebody like Corey Davis? Do you think we see Sharp step up? How do you think it all shakes out? Does Rashid Matthews get another opportunity to, to get a bigger workload? This was a, another situation where 
it was hard to tell exactly what the Titans were trying to do and what their identity was. And this was really the case across the board for the new coaches. The new coaches had, uh, as a group, very poor debuts. The Arizona Cardinals were listless, you know, no sense of, of any type of identity uh, approach to the game. That, that's, that's been kind. That's been very kind. Yeah, <laughs> any dynamic. Uh, you know, you're a fan of these teams and you're thinking, okay, we, we finally turned the page and then they come out uh, with with really no urgency and no uh, seeming sense of what they wanted to accomplish. You know, when you are the Titans and you come out and you're just running Derrick Henry into the line, uh, th- that's not what you want to see. You know, get those guys involved like Deion Lewis again. You know, I get back to this idea of you want to play the guys who allow you to score points before you're in trouble you know don't wait till the fourth quarter don't wait till the second half to get the guys who are your most dynamic players and who give you the most flexibility on offense you know don't wait to get them involved in the game so hopefully we see that going forward Another little note just on on galladay uh since that was one that you know very interested in not just what he did as a receiver but i think that it certainly endears him to teammates endears him to his quarterback to his head coach that he made the best play in this game for the lions where uh, Stafford threw one of the many very poor passes that he threw that weekend picked off Galladay goes uh, puts a, a vicious, but very clean and legal hit on the defensive back jars. The ball loose is separated from the ball by the guy laying on the ground. Galladay dives over him, makes the recovery. You know, all of those things are things that uh, point to a big season for Galladay. So hopefully hopefully owners have a little bit of exposure to him yeah and uh, something that you mentioned there obviously when the you know the work rate of players or the blocking ability of a wide receiver i i love nothing more than seeing wide receivers being able to block whether it's on a screen pass or whether it's on a, a run and play uh, and then obviously you don't want to see it when it's uh, on a return on your own team but uh, i just love to see them having that physicality and being able to hit and uh, you know jarvis landry somebody who we've seen in that a lot of times over the last couple of years steve smith never was afraid to, to lay one of those hits on so i always love to i kind of invest in those players a little bit more when they, they show that extra physicality but sean you nearly uh, you nearly stole the, the, my thunder there let's get into overtime so Sean, in overtime, we're looking here at uh, a piece, another piece that you read earlier in the week, and we're looking at uh, you kind of touched on it there. It's about playing your best players, you know, making sure you win the game before you do anything else. Uh, I pretty much, I'm sure, it didn't take a huge amount of uh, uh, over the weekend looking at those first year head coaches uh, to to make the decision to do that. Yeah. So, what's your feeling on on these rookie quarterbacks playing? We have the Jets, and they go out and they have Sam Darnold out there. He had. A, a pretty strong preseason, very strong training camp. Uh, but you know that he's going to make some mistakes, right? And he goes out on the first play of the game, uh, throws a pass that was very similar to a lot of passes he attempted last year at USC when his interception numbers were much higher than his team would have liked. And it gets taken back for a touchdown. You start your career by throwing a pick six. And at that point in the game, if anybody had told you that this was going to be a 31-point blowout, are there folks out there outside of Detroit Lions fans who would have thought that blowout was in favor of the Jets? I, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Uh, I think just when you were saying it there with the, the first play being a pick six, I think was it Brett Favre? The the comments always that the his first play was a pass to himself. <laughs> so uh, these things can happen sometimes, and they obviously depends. Then the, the, it's easy to write that narrative after the game or you know future down the line. We'll see what happens uh, with Darnold. But I, I'm in favor of if the team has the opportunity to set a rookie behind an established quarterback that gives them a chance to win that year. I have no problem with that. So like the situation with Alex Smith last year with Patrick Mahomes, I had absolutely no problem with that. I think they managed that perfectly. I think having that year to sit behind an established veteran who you can learn from, help take you on and improve your game, I have to say uh, that's something that I think is definitely beneficial. Taking quarterbacks in like the situation in Buffalo where you know it could be a case where Allen flourishes, there's quite a chance that that is just going to go sideways in a major way. Maybe we're looking back next week in week one, this is the overreactions and the bills are terrible, but pre the first week of the season i thought that they would likely have the worst roster and the worst results in the nfl over the season and obviously week one was even a surprise for me based on that prediction so one of the things i was going to mention when we were talking about the running backs earlier was uh, obviously then we were talking about the nfc but it was Lashawn mccoy and uh, pretty much a, a no a no show in that front no show pretty much across the board from all the bills skill position players so uh, the bills are a concerning one where i think that 
they may get uh, into a lot of trouble with uh, starting Allen. He's like in a bad situation, kind of. I'm not a fan of the coaching staff. It just can, it could get very toxic very quickly, and that obviously doesn't help going forward. But certain players, I think, if you're going to make it and you're going to pursue and get through that adversity, if you're going to be an elite NFL player, I don't like using the word elite, but if you're going to be a star player in the NFL, you're going to make it through that adversity. You've got to the NFL based on having to push through different adversities. So I think if you're a quarterback, if you're good enough, you learn on the job and the week, the first year might be a tough year, but it'll stand you good stead down the line. That's kind of the way I look at it. But I, I do see a difference in the situation. I think the Jets, uh, even with Todd Bowles, I think, they are a more complete and team in terms of uh, you know the the wide receiver, the skill position players. They have a couple of running backs, even though they're not the best running backs in the league. You know they're established veteran running backs. Uh, I'm also you know with with the backup quarterback that they have there, uh, you know, and McCowan. I have seen a lot of uh, positive reports about him trying to assist. I've seen him on the sideline trying to coach him up. So it depends too on who your backup is in that situation. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Peterman's a young quarterback, probably looking to stay in the lineup, and obviously the. Uh, Allen's in the same position where he's trying to learn but he wants to be the starter so it can be very difficult I think also the situation with the Browns with Baker Mayfield I think they're starting it the right way like they probably didn't expect to beat the Steelers so it was going to be a tough one obviously they've started now with a, a tie but I think as the season goes on we'll see Baker Mayfield come in I think the, if he sits for a couple of weeks it will actually help him to just get used to the environment get used to the start of an NFL season and start his career that way so there's different balances and different kind of ways that I look at it it's not a set standard but I think the Jets are in a better position to start that rookie quarterback than a team like the Bills. Would you would you kind of agree with that, or do you have a kind of set standard that you look at across the board on it? I think the thing that you said that stands out the most for me is that if you're going to make it, you're going to make it. And you might as well start getting the experience for those key players as soon as possible. You know, we saw with Kansas City, it worked with what with what they did with Alex Smith, uh, except, you know, he's an elite quarterback in his own right, despite some of the narratives narratives attached to him. And so if you're in a win now situation, then maybe there's some reason to believe they took the right route at the same time. You know, if they start Patrick Mahomes, maybe they're the Super Bowl champions right now. And that, that, that's also the possible, that is also the possibility, but I think it's more likely that they, uh, you know, f- finish the seasons on par or less than they did last year um the other one there's the luck it's like somebody like jimmy garoppolo who had that chance to uh it, it works both ways some people step up go straight away and uh, fly from the start but I, I i do i do agree i would reiterate that point if you're going to make it you're going to make it uh you're playing in the nfl it's never going to be easy it's a, a league where one week in one play can end your career end your season uh so you know waiting saying oh we're going to hold him off to, to try and win a Super Bowl in two years time rarely works that way in the NFL I think if you have a player and he has the talent I think you need to have him on the field and I think that it really does send a message to the team at how you approach this kind of thing you have the Jets who are going to go out there with a rookie at the most important position and in most cases the most complex complicated difficult position and you're going to start him right from the beginning. And I guess I would dispute the fact that the the Jets are more sort of built to win. I like some of their skill position players more than most people. I think Robbie Anderson has it in him to be not just a star, but potentially a superstar. Uh, but you look at their secondary receivers, their running backs, I think, are awful. Um, that's, that's not a team that's built with a ton of firepower. And then when the rookie quarterback actually plays well and he elevates some of the players i I think that you know the direction there is sort of interesting does quincy nunwan do those kinds of things with a different quarterback uh maybe but maybe not it's certainly exciting to see them start off that way but you contrast that with what the detroit lions do and they draft carry on johnson he has a fantastic preseason he looks explosive in the preseason games he's a, a run threat he's an excellent receiver they start off the game, first play is a penalty, but the first play that actually counts is a seven-yard loss for LeGarrette Blunt. And, I mean, you've started this game putting your team in second and 17. You're playing a veteran who has never been an above-average player. You have a lot of Theo Riddick in this game, who definitely does bring some things to the table as a receiver. But you spend most of this game in formations and in personnel allotments where the defense knows what you're going to do. So, you know, is it any surprise that they get stuffed on their running plays? Is it any surprise that Matthew Stafford is getting picked off left and right when you're essentially handing 
the defense, your play for every single play throughout the game. But on top of that, you're not playing your best players. You're not giving your young guys a chance to step up. And, you know, this is the NFL. There are only 16 games. It does make sense to look at it from the perspective of what do we have to do to win now? We can bring these guys along slowly. We want to make sure they don't make mistakes. But it sends a message to your team. When one team is willing to go out there and have a rookie quarterback, throw a pick six, stay with him, attack the game, and the other team is not even willing to play their rookie running back. Right. So you look at the the mindsets of these two different teams, and I think that what the coaches decide to do does have a big impact on the game, both in terms of the very real element of the physical side where you're not playing your best guys so you don't have the most talent out there but also the mental side of the messages you're sending week two is always an interesting time you know you you'd be uh you could be zero and one you know makes your season very tough if you get to zero and two but there's always hope ahead so i hope as you head into week two it is a successful week for you whether it's on redraft dynasty or dfs i'll be involved in all those segments uh, having a lot of fun this sunday of course check out road of his live as well sunday morning 11 a.m eastern available through the patreon page once again, my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtimarlin. My co-host today is Mr. Sean Siegel, who you can follow on Twitter at FF underscore Contrarian. Until we're back with another one, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio. Please rate and review the Road of His Overtime podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at roadofhisradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Road of His Overtime. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to a Road of His NFL Pass at a 30% discount through the Road of His Radio homepage, roadofhis.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.